Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Brandon, I think it was pretty nice of the Hurricanes to announce all of the news for the week before we recorded the podcast this time. It's a nice change, isn't it? It doesn't happen very often. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of the Tracking the Storm podcast. My name is Brandon Stanley. That is my co-host, Matthew Soma. And today we are joined by a Canes country writer... (laughs) I had to think about that one for a second. Kane's country writer. I always used to call it Cardiac Kane. <laughs> Everybody would get really upset with me because it's not a good, two good uh, outlets to mix up. But uh, I got it right this time. So we're making progress there. But Ryan, thank you so much for taking the time to jump on here and uh, talk a little Kane's hockey with us, buddy. Howdy. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, obviously, we should probably start with the big news that dropped yesterday. Um, again, hey, shout out to the Canes for finally. Uh, giving us some time to actually talk about piece of news in a timely fashion for once. Um, but the Hurricanes, obviously they lost Max Pacioretty, and I don't think anybody's going to confuse this for a one-for-one swap or anything, but they did manage to add one of the best free agents still on the market. You know, we are kind of late in the summer. The pickings were pretty slim, but I think getting Paul Stastny, formerly of Winnipeg and where else did he play? St. Louis. can't remember where else. Not that it matters. Colorado, but- Vegas. Colorado, that's right. Yeah, he's played. He's been around a little bit. Um, but the Hurricanes brought him in. He is 36 years old, but this is definitely a guy that can still play. So what are you guys' thoughts, you know, instant reaction to this move? I think it's just a great, like, depth signing just to have versatility in the lineup. Sassny had a 21-goal season. He hasn't hit 20 goals since, like, 2014. So this was a big resurgence for him, but – 20 goal guy, 40 points at the minimum. I feel like, you know, it's, you can slot him anywhere in the lineup. You can put him on the wing in the top six. You can have him in the bottom six. You can, he just provides that added versatility and depth. And he's a veteran player. He's been around. He's done it all. Two-way player, 200-foot guy. I think it's just a, for $1.5 million, you're not going to really get better value on the free agent market than kind of signing a guy like Paul Stastny, even at the age that he is, 37 yeah, especially at this point in the offseason, too. Matt, I'm going to let you go in just a second. Sorry. but, but no, it's all um, good. I, I do also just think it's really interesting how all the guys that Kane seem to have brought in this year, they're very, very versatile players, it seems like. Definitely. I mean, maybe I guess Pacioretty is definitely an offensive-minded player, but I think Kasha and Stastny both are very, very Rod Brindamore players, which I guess that should be expected, right? Got to love the brain trust. 
Right. I mean, it's one of those things. I was going to mention this last night when we were on the Twitter spaces of how, like, Canes fans always freak out every year when we lose players at free and free agency. And this year, since there's been like so much turnover, I feel like the freak out has just been especially cringy. <laughs> and then the Canes go and replace all these players with really smart moves and just like really good play overall. Uh, so we're, you know, we're sitting here and we're like, all right, well, with Pacioretty out, you know, like the Canes still are a playoff team and they go and add a guy who could reasonably hit 40 points with the team next year for $1.5 million. It's a fantastic deal. Um, it, it's something where, you know, you got him for one year. If it doesn't work out, he doesn't work out. You know, there's really no risk associated with this just because of how cheap it is. Hell, he's making less than Jordan Martin next year. That's <laughs> that's uh, It's always going to be something that people bring up throughout this year, which I think is going to be funny, but uh, I like it. Yeah, I think it's fine. Uh, gives the Canes a little bit more stability at center because, um, you know, there's obviously some uncertainty with Kokaniemi and if Drury will start at center, you know, et cetera. So, yeah, we brought this up last night, last night on that Twitter space you just mentioned. And shout out to those of you. I know a, a handful of our listeners were present in that Twitter space. Um, appreciate you guys. It was a lot of fun. And that, you know, Matt just kind of touched on one of the, uh, points he was going to make that I stole from him talking about how this is just another really good player to have around Jack Drury you know <laughs> he's shaking his head up here right now but you know we are obviously really really high on Drury we've talked about him a lot here and now you have two of like very very good centers like very much in the same vein of player as he is in Jordan Stahl and Paul Stastny for him to learn from and I don't think that's a point that should be overlooked I think that this whole offseason has felt like I'm like playing NHL 18 via GM mode and I'm making like my dream hurricane team. I'm throwing Brent Burns, signing Max Pacioretty, Andre Kasha. It just feels like all these names that like you can just remember, like you just never think they're going like Brent Burns. You never think he's going to play anywhere but San Jose. You know, it's just it's been a crazy offseason of just big name players. And, you know, they're not in the they're in their twilights, some of them. But it's still these big name guys that you just like you think back. It's like the Carolina Hurricanes will never sign anybody, but you bottom with the barrel guys, just random six fourth line guys. Bottom. They six love their guys. grinders. <laughs> like it just it's it's such a crazy crazy time being a Hurricanes fan from just five years ago to now. It's like Red Burns is a Carolina Hurricane. Max Petrie is a Carolina Hurricane. They finally got Andre Kasha. Who'd have thunk? It's it's interesting because like all of the moves they've made this year have been one year deals. So you know you're thinking you're one year from now, if the Canes don't win a cup, what the hell is going to happen to this team? Because other than Burns, you've got Kasha on a one way deal or a one year deal. Um, Pat Pacioretty, Coglin, Stasny, all those guys, one year deals. So it's almost a question of whether or not the Hurricanes are able to keep these players, what their plan is for the following year, whether, you know, it's they're adding prospects coming up, like maybe a Scott Morrow, or, you know, maybe they think 
Ochekov will be ready, but there's going to be a lot of turnover because you've also got both goalies on expiring deals this year. So that's the one thing where like my, it may not be a critique of this off season, but something that, you know, is raising a bit of a concern, like a concern. Well, the only thing about that is like, I'm not sure that Andre Kasha is the kind of player you really want to sign to a multi-year deal just because of his injury history. And, uh, and that may be somewhat unfair, but if you sign him to a multi-year deal, a team that's as cap strapped or cash strapped as the Canes are, like you're putting yourself in a little danger there with, you know, a player that may not be that available for you. So you got to take things like that into consideration. And uh, to your point, it was, I was kind of going to go where you were just went. And, like you've got guys like Vasily Panamarev, Noel Gunler, Jamison Reese, like these guys – at some point, they're going to probably be ready for at least a taste of the NHL. And at some point, you got to give them a space somewhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, I think the Canes front office has done an ex- excellent job of identifying their core and sticking with what they know as their core and then adding pieces around it. They're trying, like the one-year deals and all that is to insulate it so they always have room to be flexible. Because, you know, two years down the road, Ajo and Pesci's deals, they need new deals, and those are going to be costly deals. They you're not going to get the Pesci and Slavin five million about each again. That's once in a lifetime kind of contracts for those types of players. And I think they're really going to need the cap to go up. (laughs) (laughs) They've done an excellent job of identifying their core. They know who their best players are and they're just adding these. And every year for the free agent market, the trade, there's going to be players open that you can just bring in on short deals to just kind of help supplement the roster. But I think they've done such a good job of not tying up too much money because, you know, people will say that, oh, Jordan Marnick, $1.8 million isn't going to prevent you from signing Ajo to an extension or whatnot. You know, people can get mad and just, you can't get that one free agent. But, you know, they've done a really good job of not tying up dead money in these long-term deals for free agents that they don't know if they'll work out in any way. News breaks. The Canes can't re-sign uh, Ajo and they're $1.8 million apart. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, and the Canes, I mentioned this last night too, and I know we're going to reference the Twitter space a lot because it's just like fresh in our head and a lot of it is relevant, but like Canes gave up nothing to acquire most of these players. Like all things considered, you know, obviously we have a soft spot for Steven Lawrence here, but he wasn't going to play on this team's fourth line, especially with Derek Stefan on a PTO now, you know? Um, and then you've got, Itumaki Niemi, it's Piotr Spreis down in Chicago, regardless of whether or not Makiniemi is there. I think you gave up a third-round pick, which you acquired from Philly. Yep. Or you basically give up one of your two third-round picks, and I think it's the later one. So, like, you end up technically moving up from that trade. And then, um, gosh, I'm trying to remember what we gave up. For Max Pacioretty. Oh, that's right. Nothing. Actually nothing. So it's just the Canes are such a good team at evaluating not only talent, but ways to expose like market inefficiencies. And the Hurricanes, even when Ron Francis was here, they knew who the dumb GMs were and were able to get the most out of them. And um, I was listening to a Vegas fan that appeared on the athletic podcast. I 
can't think of the guy's name, but he plays poker, like the World Series of Poker. But he was like, Kelly McCrimmon plays poker with his cards face up. Kelly <laughs> <laughs> McCrimmon's like, he's the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> yeah, like, I was like, I thought that was like a perfect analogy for how this offseason has gone for Vegas. Because it's like, as soon as Robin Leonard's now, every team is going to be calling Vegas now about their goalies. So it's just, it, it's just funny, man. Like the Canes are, this offseason's been great. I, I'm excited to watch this team. Definitely some uncertainty still, but uh, it's definitely going to be fun. Yeah, it, it's definitely an exciting team. And, and I think Rod Brindamore is going to have a ton of options at his disposal now. Um, that's for sure. I mean, I kind of had a little thread yesterday when the Stasny uh, signing was announced, just talking about, all right, so I basically came to the conclusion the Canes have 10 roster locks and then four, five, maybe guys competing for the last two spots on the roster. And that kind of competition is obviously very healthy for a team. And same thing on the blue line, to be honest with you. But of course, when the signing was announced, we did get the typical tweets and takes coming out of Quebec naturally. Talking about how the signing was damning for Yesberry Kokaniemi, which I was like, yeah, for sure, man. You guys, uh, you guys, as always, hit the nail on the head. Um, I, so they're I just, just they're just supporting their they're just supporting their fellow Quebecian of Paul Stastny. They just they just the Hats fans okay, just yeah. love Quebec players. That's all it is. There's, there couldn't possibly <laughs> be anything more to it. Right, right, for sure. Um, but no, I do want to talk about where you guys really see him fitting in because I, I do think in. in you know, this is probably just a wild guess. We, we're going to have no way of knowing until camp breaks because of those options I just mentioned before. Like the Hurricanes have so many different ways they could line up this roster. But do you see him sliding, you know, Jack Drury to the wing and then playing? But then, but all right. So the problem with that, if he, if Stassi comes in and slides Drury over, that probably puts him on a fourth line role because I think Kokaniemi is going to start at 2C. So do you think that's what's going to happen? They brought Stassi in to be a fourth liner or, or what do you guys expect? What if I told you that this team just runs four lines consistently and doesn't have a true fourth line this year? I, I hope you're right. Or, like, honestly, or they could do it easily. The role typically occupied by the fourth line is the stall line because that's the checking line. And a sly line of Kasha, Drury, and Stasny is our de facto third line. I think that uh, looks a lot better. And I, I honestly think. You know, Jordan Stahl's line is always going to be like a defense first line. Right. So even though they may get like the third line minutes, they're going to get the majority of the defensive zone starts. And most of their time is going to be shutting down the opposition, providing the occasional bit of offense, but usually just kind of wearing the opponents down. Brendan Moore says every time we talk to him about his line, he doesn't number his lines. His right. lines don't have numbers. So, I mean, that's like a legitimate thought. And it's, there's just so much talent on the roster that like their fourth line is going to have like one of like Kosher or Stastny or Nature. Somebody's going to be on that fourth line where it's going to be like, I can be like, oh, everyone's going to look at it and be like fourth line poverty franchise, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, it's, it's again, it's, you just roll that line 12, 14 minutes, however much, just toss them out there and they can score goals too. It's going to be able to exploit so many different teams. Right. That's true, but I mean, you do have to think about the effect that does have them. You know, Sebastian Ajo is going to play 19 minutes a night. You know, that's a third of the time. And maybe sometimes a little bit more than that. So it's true to a degree, but I don't know. It'll be interesting to see. I, I, I do think the Hurricanes would be at their best if that Jordan Stahl line was the fourth line. 
partially because I think that much of Jack Drury. But, you know, and I'm also interested to see if he does start out on the wing, you know, because we've seen players that Jack Drury is a great center. Like, yes, Barry Kokanemi is a good center, and he's terrible on the wing. So there's no guarantees that he's going to be able to move over flawlessly. So that's just another thing that they'll have to figure out in camp. Um, but I do have faith in Rod Brendan Warner to do it because of those things you mentioned. You know, there's just so much talent. Like, they're going to have four good lines pretty much regardless of who they put out there. Yeah, but in that terms, I think Stastny, I would say starts – depends on how camp goes. I'd say either starts on the wing with Stahl and Faust or on, like, a pseudo fourth line. Center that would be a line. hellacious line to play against. But he hasn't, he's shown that he's not afraid to put two centers on one line, you know, because, yeah. you know, there's merit in that, especially defensive zone starts. You get kicked out of the faceoff dot. You can be a little more aggressive on that initial lineup, um, knowing that if you get kicked out, you have another center to come in. You know, um, Paul Stassi was really good on faceoffs last year. I think he was 56%, one of the top marks in the league. So just another area where it's going to be really good to have him. Um, beyond just being a still very good hockey player and somebody that can teach the young guys a lot. So very, very savvy pickup, which we've come to be used to seeing from the Carolina Hurricanes. Before we continue the next segment, uh, we do want to send our best wishes to Columbus Blue Jackets forward Alexander Texier. Um, It got announced as we were recording that he's not going to be um, with Columbus this year. He's going to be staying back home to get – to spend time with family and to also uh, taking a part in the um, substance abuse and behavioral health program that's offered by the NHL and the NHLPA. Um, so we obviously just know he's going through a lot and we want to send him the best because it's a, it's a tough battle. And um, yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think it last year was two deaths in the family. I think it's like, I think it's the mental health aspect of the program. He's taking more part in. He'll be, I think I also read that he'll be playing, he'll signing in Switzerland to play there just to be close to family. I think it's just the two deaths in the family. It's just mental health. It's so important that like we're starting to see players take steps towards improving their mental health because we've seen for years, like the mental side of things can absolutely destroy players and it can destroy people on the inside and uh a lot of that stuff goes untreated especially with men um so it's really cool seeing somebody be like no i I need to take care of myself and take that step and go on the nhl for having programs like this available as well all right what's next jerseys sure we can get into jersey discourse because it's so much better than jersey retirement discourse Oh my god, that's the stupidest part of the offseason, man. People should be getting bored, people. People gotta have find, like, people have to find can, something to be upset about because when that shit starts coming out, is I, I know that's when people are just getting so bored of having nothing to talk about. Because as soon as people are like, hey, for the third year in a row, should we retire Cam Ward's jersey? I'm like, oh my god, I know what you're trying to do. Just shut the hell up. So, Fanatics accidentally leaked the fact that the Hurricanes will be wearing their black jerseys on the road, or at home, as they're just regular jerseys this year, which I think is really cool. And then I think it was Aesthetics confirmed it as well. Uh, So, pretty cool. I'm not sure what they do with the red jerseys. I know they're, like, pretty discounted right now, so I'm wondering if that's going to be, like, part of an anniversary jersey or you know 
because they the the little article that Aesthetics came out with said that there's going to be something special in the place of the third jerseys this year. So I'm assuming it's going to be something for the anniversary, but it's going to be kind of weird to not see the Swirl logo as much as we have been because, you know, that's been the Carolina Hurricanes since 1997. I really like the look of the black jerseys. I think the colors look really good in person. I think I've seen people complaining about it, like how it looks on TV went up, but I think in person, it's a really good jersey. I remember when I first saw like it, they announced it, I was like, eh. but in person, it's just a really, it's a really slick combo. Um, I, I just think, I think it's fun. I think um, they always wore it on, Fridays and weekends, it was like their go-to home Friday weekend jersey. And it was just be kind of, there's a playoff jersey. So it just, it feels natural, I guess, that they're going to progress into that being the jersey that they wear primarily. And, but like you said, it not seeing the swirl, it's going to be kind of weird. I mean, I think, I don't know if they're going to change their logo that they run with in terms of like branding and whatnot, but um, just not seeing the- they will. Yeah. I think since it's so synonymous with the Hurricanes already, like that would be a really tough sell. Like it's not like where you know with the Sabers they change like the Saber every couple times. But, couple times like, yeah. You know, bring back uh, the banana slug. <laughs> right. Like for me, you could kind of tell that this was going to happen when the black jerseys became the home jerseys for the playoffs. Um, I think it's also the only jersey, the red jersey is the only one that really didn't get a new design um, under Tom Dundon. I, I think the, the design for that came out like right before Dundon took over as owner of the team, I want to say, because that was the, yeah, because Adidas took over the 2017-18 season, so that was the first year that. And then they came out with the black jerseys the year. Dundon. I thought they had the, did they have the ugly red jerseys under Dundon? I thought, I thought like for a year they had like the, 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 the ugly red ones. They had the ugly white ones. Ah, that's right. I was trying to remember. Just got rid of that year. The next year. <laughs> he said, absolutely not. No, the white jerseys we had were hideous. For me, it's fine. Like the red jersey, they're going to have a red jersey. I think it's the, the anniversary jersey is more than likely going to be red. And then there's the Stadium Series jersey. Then there's apparently Reverse Retro this year. Uh, so there's a lot. Well, Dundon said in the past, he's like, I, I, we're going to change jerseys a lot, which I think is a good strategy. Like, keep it fresh, um, especially because I just don't – I don't know if I've ever been, like, in love with a Hurricanes jersey, like any of them. But the Blacks probably hit closest to home to me because back when I was playing <laughs> – Junior Canes, we had them one year where, like, they became our home jerseys. And that was, like, my favorite jersey we ever had. So, they're probably my favorite Canes jerseys. So, I definitely like it from that standpoint. But, like, I'm ready for, like, a fresh take on the entire logo. Like, something totally different, unique. Make make it flashy. I don't care. Like, but black and red, it's also such – it's a very used combo throughout, like – you know, the Ottawa Senators. Every sports team ever. Yeah, yeah. It was like a lot of – exactly. I was going to go that way. It's like it's not just hockey either. Like black and red is such a common combo. So I, I would like them to see them go in a direction that's not, you know, the same thing we've seen so many times before. But I, I'm excited the, to see what they come up with. The issue with them changing, like, the like the core jerseys, like the core jerseys being home, away, and alternate, you know, 
is eventually you're going to have a fan base that has a variety of jerseys that are outdated and can't afford a new jersey. Like, you know, hockey here is still like not, you don't have a diehard market. You've got a very loyal fan base, but it's still a very casual market that's not going to want to spend, you know, $200 on a new jersey every year. You know, that's just not reasonable. So, like, I understand that he wants to keep things fresh, but I think, like, after you come out with, you know, like, the red jerseys, outdated. They've been around, like, four years, which I guess is, like, kind of old. Like, you've got, if you bought it in the first year, you know, you've gotten good use out of it. But, like, if they keep rotating through jerseys, it's just, the fan base is eventually just going to be like, listen, you're changing this up so much. I'm not going to buy this shit because right. it's literally just going to sit in my closet after like a season or two. Yeah. Be like the reverse fun. retro and just get the trifecta. Just be like, oh, green Whalers jersey, silver Whalers jersey. Oh, what's going to be this year? Probably blue Whalers jersey. Woo-hoo. <laughs> real, real, real special. The reverse retro jerseys, it's like it's always going to be a Whalers jersey because the Whalers just make this team so much money. <laughs> every year but here's the thing the hurricanes have been around for longer than the whalers have now or yeah. the, than the whalers were like they've been in raleigh longer than the whalers were a franchise or were in hartford stop honoring a team that played in a fucking mall you have more tradition now you want a stanley cup here your fan base is probably bigger honestly like brass bonanza can stay brass bonanza is the only thing that i would keep from the whalers like if i like played for the whalers but did not play for the hurricanes i do not give a fuck well see here's the thing and i know i'm in the minority here i like the blue and green color scheme Maybe it's just me. I, I think it looks cool. I know a lot of people it. don't. It's fine. You're it. not you're not claiming greatest coach in franchise history, Pierre Maguire. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, I refuse. I refuse to claim anything that's his. Okay, so uh, Kane's just announced that Paul Stastny is wearing 26. I want to bring this up because that's near and dear to my heart. I wore 26 growing up. Eric Cole was my favorite player back in his prime. It's going to be weird seeing that number out there again. And not on Matt Tennyson. Kane's <laughs> legend. Here's the thing. Hey, tired. It's Retire Cam Ward's it, number. Why Retire Matt Tennyson's number. Retire Eric Cole's number. Eric Cole. <laughs> 26, Here's never worn again. Eric Cole has not played for this team for well over 10 years at this point, I'm pretty sure. I know. Um, <laughs> I think it's okay for somebody else to have his number. <laughs> and it was okay back in like 2014 for Matt Tennyson to wear his number. So like as much as the discourse about like, oh, you're disrespecting such and such players, like really stupid. Like unless it's like an actual NHL legend or, you know, in the case of like Chason and Vasek, like, you know, a player that passed away earlier than they probably should have yeah i don't think there's much like worry about no i don't know whatever i understand i think i think fans put a lot more like nostalgia 
yeah, fans just put a lot more like nostalgia and kind of like emphasis on like these numbers things. And for a lot of players, like you, you can read like the they will have a random article from whoever will do it and be like, oh, why'd you choose the number? And be like, that's what they gave me a training camp. And yeah, nice. like it's like some people have stuff and be like, oh, it's just like uh, I was born in two thousand or whatever. Right? So I like twenty. Or like or, this is my dad's no- number. Or like whatever. yeah, it's but it's like, really not that pressing. These players. And uh, the nostalgia thing is funny because, like, there is nothing that this fan base loves more than holding on to the past. Yeah. Looking at you, let's retire Cam Ward's number. People, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of nostalgia tied to like a lot of Kings players, and like when you look back, they there's a lot of players that were not around for more than like five years or so, like at most, and it's just like because they were just in that bundle of the successful years before the terrible, awful, dark days. You like Tomaru to UC Yokinen, like they they were only around for like four or five years. Like they weren't lifelong canes, but like fans still think and remember those names. Like they're like, oh, the, I remember, I love them so much. And it's like they were only a couple years. They weren't long time canes. It's, but it's just <laughs> when you have only so much goodness from the past, you hold right. on to it as much <laughs> as exactly. You can. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, like, now, <laughs> like people holding on and like beloved, like thinking Craig McKegg is like the best player ever and I'm like dude sucks <laughs> or you know um what's his name uh Hayden Flurry no I'm sorry, sorry. Got him. before we move along and wrap this up track of the storm is a proud part of the hockey podcast network and we are gonna take just a quick minute and get a word from our friends at DraftKings The wait is almost over. A new football season is about to begin. Get ready for the NFL Week 1 action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To celebrate the return of football, DraftKings is giving new customers a can't-miss offer. Bet just $5 on any football game and get $200 in free bets instantly. Want more action for opening night? Everyone can experience the thrill of DraftKings' early win promotion. If you get up by seven, you win. Bet on any NFL team of your choice, and if that team leads by seven points at any point during the game, you get paid instantly, even if the team ultimately loses. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, and best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now, use promo code THPN, and get $200 in free bets instantly when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code THPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See the show notes of wherever you get our podcast for important details. And we're back. And we're back. So, our last article of news that we got announced yesterday, the Hurricanes have announced who their replacement for Ryan Warsawski down in Chicago is going to be. I think this is a move that's probably, I mean, we actually had a couple of articles of news drop yesterday, so it's not getting a ton of press right now. But I think it's going to be a pretty big, you know, announcement for the Carolina Hurricanes. And that is the addition of former Chicago Steel head coach Brock Shahan. Um, this is a guy that's had a monstrous record down in the USHL. Um, that's a program that's produced a lot of NHL talent. Uh, and I think this is just a really good move for the organization who's shown a very strong ability to put guys down in the AHL that can help players develop. Obviously, Ryan Wasowski was fantastic. Mike Bellucci, the same thing. And now Brock Shahan. So, Matt, you're probably the one with the most insight here. So why don't we go to you first? What can we expect from Brock Shahan? I'm glad I didn't call him Riley because I kind of expected to. <laughs> I mean – so this is a guy that has coached in 
four years with the Steel, he's coached 26 different draft picks. And a pretty good percentage of them have, have been uh, high draft picks, which is really exciting. It's one of those things where you've, you've got a coach who clearly knows how to like identify talent, which is something that the Wolves have. He's a coach that has had success, even though he's played on stack or he's coached stack teams, you have to figure out how to get the most out of those players. Because once you get to higher levels, yeah, those 17, 18 year old kids, they're going to be good, but they have to learn how to work on a team, work in the system and play against players who, you know, can be up to 20, 21 years old. And so it's it's one of those things where you're starting to see coaches from the USHL get hired and they're always from these big programs. They're from, you know, the NTDP, they're from the Steel. I mean, uh, Chicago's GM, or former GM, was hired by the Maple Leafs to be an assistant GM a couple of years ago. So the Steel are a premier organization. They're ones, they're an organization that would have uh, nothing but the best behind the helm there. And the good thing for Brock Shahan is he doesn't have to move. He's in the same city. So, you know, he's very familiar with the area. And I think that's actually going to help him because he's familiar with the area, won't have to around he can just get right to it and it's a young wolves team this year uh most of the players playing for the wolves this year are going to be those younger players and so this is going to be very fascinating to keep an eye on yep. young head coach in that level a lot of young players that we were really excited to see in the ahl this year like noel gundler vasily panamarev etc um definitely going to be fun to watch it's it's funny the success that the the wolves have had in kind of getting their coaching hiring or Charlotte to Chicago, quote unquote, because you had Volucci and he wins the call cup and everyone's like, and then he gets, you know, the Penguins hire him and everyone's like, Oh, how are you going to replace me? He was so good for the prospects. And Ryan says, they're like, well, we'll give him a shot. And he's like, now Warsawski's done so well. And everyone's like, wow, Warsawski's great. Wins called a cup. And then San Jose hires him. And I was like, Oh no, what's going to happen. <laughs> and now, now Shahan gets hired. And everyone's like, oh, okay, well maybe this will be okay again. But it's like the track record is seems they've had a very good because uh, you think of teams like I think of like Vancouver back in like Jim Benning's day. He has like quotes of like they'd ask him about like oh the AHL development. He was like we're not here to talk about AHL players or whatnot. And it's like for so long teams would just like cast it away. But development is such a humongous part of like building your teams and making sure your prospects reach the level they're supposed to. That I'm so glad that Carolina is having such a strong emphasis on hiring these good coaches in the AHL to be able to get these players to develop the way that they're supposed to. And it's so important you bring up development because like bad teams stay bad because they don't develop their players. Look at the Sabres, for example. How many top 10 picks have the Sabres had since I think 2011 was the last time they made the playoffs, if I'm not mistaken. And it's like, as soon as the first round ended, Buffalo would just say, screw it and just pick random players and their drafting track record outside of the first round is abysmal. Um, It might actually rank among mankind's greatest crimes. Like that's how bad it is. Um, So you take a team that drafts players 
they may draft high picks, but if they can't develop these guys, they're not going to go anywhere. And, you know, it's important, you know, for teams that do plan on being contenders for a long time, like the Hurricanes are, to, yes, draft the players, but you also have to be able to develop them and you have to put them in a system that design, is designed to get them to the NHL and make them be as NHL-ready as possible. And that's what the Hurricanes have done with Mike Vellucci, with Ryan Wasowski, and hopefully now with Brock Shahan. Yeah, I think everyone looks at like the premier example because Tampa Bay Lightning were the talk of the town for because they won the back-to-back cups and they went to the finals again. But everyone talked about the Syracuse to, you know, uh, Tampa pipeline. It was so they just, every time they could just develop those third line players, just jump in every, somebody would go and they would just bring in another one and just would never drop the ball. They were so good at just developing that mid round third line talent just to kind of come in, jump in and produce immediately. You got like Ross Cole and Alex Kalorn was a Syracuse product. Mitchell Stevens. I mean, the list goes on and on about like all those players that kind of just came in through Tampa and those cheap contracts so they can pay their, you know, superstars, big money. Yeah, I mean, obviously the Canes pipeline has been extremely strong lately, um, and I don't see it going anywhere anytime fast. I have I have full faith in this organization to put the right pieces in place, especially at the AHL level. This ain't um, this ain't Jim Rutherford selling the selling everything about the kitchen sink for a fourth line <laughs> player. Brian, we appreciate you for coming on. Uh, anything you'd like to plug before we uh, get going? Oh, man, thanks for asking. Uh, thanks for having me. Thanks for asking, too. Uh, you can check out, we have plenty of Canes content coming out here on Canes Country with an O there. Uh, C-A-N-E-S-C-O-U-N-T-R-Y.com. Uh, he's got to show me up here. I, <laughs> he's never getting brought back on this podcast. <laughs> thanks for having me. You'll never hear from me again. Uh, but no, plenty of Canes content coming out along the way as the season gets closer. Obviously, you should be familiar with Matt's work on the site, prospect coverage. The, he's the guy, Canes prospect coverage, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but we'll have more Canes content coming as the season gets closer. Coverage of game coverage, you know, quotes, all that, pregame, postgame, all the good stuff. Ryan, once again, thank you for coming on the podcast and uh, gracing us with your presence. I promise you will be invited back. I- I'm-, I'm sorry that I yelled at you. Um, can you remind us, though, what the- what what's that site again? Sorry, oh, that's for uh, people that might not have heard. Oh, no worries. No worries. That's uh, canescountry.com. Canes is in, you know, like hurricanes, countries in a place like a United States or Canada. And uh, .com, like an internet URL, canescountry.com. Perfect. For all your thank you. Hurricanes thank you. I hate well, you guys. Well, folks, we sincerely appreciate you coming back and listening to us every week. And as always, it's a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan.